Welcome to the URM Journey to Academic Medicine podcast, also known as the URM Jam, brought to you by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. On this podcast, we will address the real and perceived barriers faced by historically underrepresented in medicine students and residents who are considering a career in academic family medicine. We'll provide practical tips and personal advice on topics like leadership, scholarly activity, CVs, mentorship, and more. I'm Dr. Omari Hodge. And I'm Dr. Tochi Iroku Maliz. And this is URM Jam. So today's guest is Dr. Janai Robinson. She serves as a chair of the Department of Family Medicine and associate dean for primary care for the Keck School of Medicine at USC. Dr. Robinson is president-elect for the USC Care Medical Group a multi-specialty group representing over 800 faculty clinicians practicing at Keck Medicine at USC. Under her leadership, the Department of Family Medicine developed a vision that we are leaders in health and social justice for all. Significant clinical growth in the Keck Family Medicine practice has occurred. A street medicine program to address the crisis of homelessness in Los Angeles was developed, and a new family medicine residency program was launched. Her research interests include development and enhancement of interprofessional team-based care, leadership development, innovation in care delivery, joy in work, and care for underserved populations. Prior to coming to USC, Dr. Robinson served as Chief Medical Officer for the Saban Free Clinic, a four-site multi-service community clinic, formerly the Los Angeles Free Clinic, from 2005 to 2012. Welcome, Dr. Robinson. Thank you, Tochi. Nice to be here. Nice to see you all. So glad to have you. Um, Dr. Hodge, you want to kick us off with the question? Sure, sure, sure. So as impressive as your bio is, we got a topic that we think is really interesting, and it's advocacy. And one of the questions we wanted to get out the gates is simply, why is advocacy important, particularly as it pertains to us in academic medicine? Thank you for that question. You know, when we talk about advocacy, I think of all of the actions we can take to promote change that enhances the health and well-being of our patients, families, communities, and workforce. And academic institutions in the ideal sense are really anchor institutions for our communities. These are institutions that serve a multifold purpose, including providing for the health of the community, education for the community, opportunities for workforce for our community, research and service. And as a result, they play a critical role in our community and are really need to be there to serve the community. And so it's critically important that we are advocating within our academic institutions to make sure that we're, we're doing right by the people that we are supposed to be serving. And that requires all of us having a critical eye on what is happening around us and all of us taking a moment to speak up and speak out when we see that things are not going in the direction that would serve us that need. Yes, and I'm glad you said that because um, a lot of people think that uh, academic medicine, well, medicine period, shouldn't be involved (laughs) in advocacy. But then academic medicine, some people feel like, well, that's not our role. We're not supposed to be involved in this, that our job is just to do clinical care, uh, you know. (laughs) So 
Um, I'm, I'm glad that you said it. That is, you know, internally as well, you know, externally. Just uh, we need to in academic medicine, um, we are the ones that train future doctors and future healthcare professionals, and it's important that we uh, do advocacy. I don't know, Doctor, how you were about to say something. No, I I agree with you. I was going to say one of the um, one of the charges that we're given from the ACGME. I'm thinking particularly to those of us who are in uh, residency programs is that we have to make sure that the community is directly being influenced by the care that we provide. And I don't know how you can separate advocacy efforts because you have to know what your community needs and who else is going to champion those needs other than we who are providing the very health care for them. So I, I, I thank you for that, bringing that point out. That's really true. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every day there are decisions that are either being made or not made in the interests of groups or with groups that are not at the table um, and are not having a voice and are not being heard. And, you know, either either through willful neglect or through just ignoring those groups are not represented. So, you know, for a lot of folks, I think it might just be sort of like this is business as usual. You know, we're going forward and asking for and doing the things that we need. But I think the advocacy piece, you know, that is something we all have to be looking at. It's critically important. So to follow up on that, because the, the, the audience that we have are there, they're students, they're residents, there are some faculty members as well who are just trying to get some refreshers or uh, on this topic. What are the different types and levels of advocacy that are out there and available for people to do? But, you know, the good news is there's so many ways we can advocate every day and it can look different every day. So on, there's ways we can advocate, for instance, on behalf of our patients on a very individual basis you know, one patient at a time as we're seeing them, making sure that we advocate to get them what they need. And sometimes we have to go the extra mile to do that, or we have to enlist others to help us. That's one form of advocacy. You can also think about advocacy within the context of the practice, how your practice is organized, how it's designed, how it cares for people, how it treats people. You can think about the impact of written and unwritten policies and procedures about how things are are being done. And the impact that that has on others. And if you see something that is unfair, that is not just, you can uh, step up and say, hey, you know, I think we should practice, we should change the practice of how we do that. You can certainly advocate at the level of your residency program, at the level of your medical school, um, throughout the larger healthcare system. And then there's obviously, you know, we think about there, there's so many opportunities locally at the state level and national. So, Sometimes it can feel overwhelming. Oh my goodness, there's a lot of advocacy work to do. And there is a lot of advocacy work to do. But you it's don't have to do it yourself right. all of those areas all of the time. But you should pick something that you care about, that you're passionate about. Um, you should get you can get involved with other organizations. Um, seek out others. Advocacy is really best when it's a team sport and it's not just you by yourself. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. It could be a lot more impactful if you can bring others along with you. Right. And and I'm I'm thinking about all those levels because I think it's very interesting. You know, when you talk about uh, you know at the when you're prior authorization, right? That's an example. <laughs> so people that you that you have to practice. You have to call up the companies and say. Um, I need to get my patient this procedure or this medication. Um, and then when you think of prior authorization, that's one thing. So that's a barrier to, for our patients for them to get their medication. But mm. if you want to take it all the way to the other level, and, we, and, I've, and, and I've seen that with ac- in, in academia where we had to take it to the fur- furthest level where we have had students and residents and faculty and, and other you know, leaders in family medicine going up to state legislators and, and going up to D.C., Washington, D.C., to advocate for changes 
in the rules of prior authorization. So it's that whole spectrum of starting advocating for your patient and in the clinic and then going and then going out all the way to the top where you're trying to advocate for policy change, legislative changes that will affect that patient who's in your community that you're serving at the bedside. So um and and you're right. Uh, I've seen people advocate for changes in curriculum. Uh, there's nothing like, and I, not that I'm asking for people to go out now and go fight their deans, but I've seen people change, advocate to have family medicine, right? As a, a students fight to say that they wanted family medicine as a, as one of their rotations. And, right. and they, and it happened, uh, you know, so students have a lot of power when it comes to that type of advocacy work, uh, you know, and that's in terms of their education. I've seen faculty members advocate for certain things that they needed, uh, tools or resources they needed in order to do the job that they needed. And then all of us right now are advocating um, with the ACGME RRC in terms of what's in the best interest of our residents and our faculties and our communities as they come up with the new regulations. You know, there are great parts of it. And then there are some parts that will have some consequences to it. And so just understanding and being well informed. So, yeah, I agree that uh, there are so many levels of advocacy um, along that whole spectrum of academic medicine. It's not something, it's not outside your lane. It, it yeah. is within your grasp. Yeah. And if I can add to that, I mean, I think, you know, there's areas within medicine and then there's areas with outside of medicine as well. And yeah. us as physicians and as family physicians, we have a, an important voice that we can share in, in a lot of areas that might not even be medicine. And I'll give you an example, you know, in my own local community, um, a group of high school students had come together to put together a Black Lives Matter mural. Beautiful job they did with this. Well, the city is dragging its feet and does not want to sign off and complete this project. They're starting to have some second thoughts. Um, wow. And so even just showing up at the local city council discussion yes. about this and talking about you know, my experience as a Black woman, my experience as a Black physician, um, and how critically important it was you know, you can have an impact. So that's an example of something that I did this week, even just outside of, you know, medicine. So there's so much even within medicine, but also with outside of medicine, where we can make a significant impact. You know, one of the things that I tell medical students and residents, as I'm listening to you guys talk, is that many of them fall into that trap that I'm just going to get through medical school and then residency. And then when all that's done, then I'll start advocating for things that are important. But I I try to remind them that a lot of the skills and the experiences that you need to do it really well, you have to take advantage of now. And there's really never a perfect time. You just have to care. And so encouraging them to figure out what it is that they that makes them feel alive and go advocate for it. You know, you don't have to make it difficult. You, You just make it personal, make some make it something that's true to you. And then go out there and do it because the waiting game, you just never come back around to it. It never becomes a good ideal time. It's such a great point, Dr. Hodge. And I think, you know, the other piece of that, right, is that a lot of times just by going and and reminding ourselves, listen, this is why I'm in medicine, because I'm here to make a difference. So going out and, you know, taking a little bit of time to do some advocacy Mm -hmm. also can refuel Yes. And recharge us yes. when we're getting kind of yes. down from our studies it, and the challenges and the frustrations. So I think it can also reconnect us to our core values and beliefs. And that can help to re-energize us to be able to continue to move forward with what we need to do to, to get yeah. our degrees and, mm-hmm. and you know, and complete our training and, and to get to our dream of being a physician. Mm-hmm. 
Well, in that same vein, what are some of the skill sets that might be required so that we can be effective agents in advocacy? You know, the, I think one of the things that's most important is to be a good listener. You know, we need good communication skills. Right. And that's speaking, but it's also listening. So listening and hearing others and even just practicing, you know, summarizing back to people, is this what I heard you say? Do I understand you correctly? Can be really powerful in terms of building an alliance with others, which would be the second skill I think is really important is how do you connect and get others? So it's not just your voice. You have a group of voices, people at different levels. Um, That is critically important. And I think you also have to be focused on what are you trying to get out of this? What's important to you? What do you want to accomplish? And to be thoughtful about that and to stay focused on that. It doesn't mean that you're not flexible because sometimes in advocacy and negotiation, we have to be clear about what we'll accept, (laughs) what we won't accept. Right. And it might not look like what we initially, Mm -hmm. you know, our first thing that we thought about by through talking with other people, we realized we could get more people together and -hmm. get something forward. So having some flexibility and adaptability, but being clear about what's important to you and what you want to accomplish is also, I think, a critical skill set. You know, one of the tools that you said when you were talking about it are exactly some of the same things that we as attendings use when we're trying to determine whether or not our residents are doing a good job with their patient. For example, you mentioned being a good listener, making sure that the people that you are involved with understand that you're hearing what they're saying and being able to allow them to communicate back to you, maybe what you're saying. Those are skills that we already are utilizing or training our our, our future um, f- future physicians or current physicians to do in the in the workforce. So it's like we're already groomed to be advocates. So now we just need to put go out there and put it to work. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, Dr. Hodge, I think it's like taking some skill sets that you're already using in one area and how do you sort of repurpose that in another area related to advocacy against speaking up and speaking out, speaking on behalf of, but maybe in a little bit of a different environment, maybe putting yourself outside of your comfort zone. And that's so important for our ongoing growth and development. Right. But it's funny because as you're saying, you know, that active listening, and I say that is what's been missing these last uh, two years. That we've been under uh, with the mm-hmm. pandemic and the political issues. Yes, and, yes, um, yes, yes. I, the active listening and uh, the allyship have been so allied that they're not actively listening to other groups. <laughs> so right. That right. is that is just um, you know. So it's a little tougher these days to do advocacy work, even at the basic local level, because even as you're advocating for your patient or advocating within your team, etc., things sometimes are so politicized that you have to be able to step away from that and think objectively as to what you're you know, doing. But I, I like this fact that you say being flexible and, and agile in your understanding and, and appreciating another person's point of view, their perceptions. And then at the end of the day, being a willing to agree to disagree and then come back later. Because I've seen it where when we talk about uh, state advocacy or federal advocacy, uh, you're going to different uh, legislators and uh, you're asking for the same thing from both sides of the aisle. And the way you approach it will be different from both sides of the aisle, uh, because at the end of the day, you have to compromise and say, OK, what's important to them? Um, so how do you ex- explain that this issue is uh, also affects them? And, and the story will be sometimes it's the same, but sometimes the difference, there are differences based on their politics. But at the end of the day, we're trying to serve our communities. We're trying to do better for the healthcare system. 
um, or trying to whatever there is. And I also think about when you talked about stepping outside, you said you just recently had to do something this week, you know, that was outside of medicine. This is a great opportunity for people to go to their school boards. Those meetings that they're always posting everywhere saying that the school board meeting is happening. Remember, education is one of those social determinants of health. Go to the school board meeting, speak up, speak out, explain why, whatever it is that they're voting on, how it will impact the people that you're serving. So not enough people show up at those meetings. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's very important that that's that's another idea that's outside of medicine, but is a way to help with impacting the way your community is uh, served. So that's a very, you know, you you Mm -hmm. reminded me, if I may just share just a very brief story. Remember when mm-hmm. I was in eighth grade and I was doing a paper on the Ku Klux Klan and mm-hmm. I called my dad and I'm like, dad, I'm doing this paper on the Ku Klux Klan. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know what? I knew a grand wizard from the Ku Klux Klan once. We did a housing deal together. Nice guy. And I was like, dad, right. I was <laughs> horrified, right? Like I was horrified. Right, my right, father right. is talking about someone right. from the Ku being a nice guy. Right. Right. And, right, right. But what I what it taught me later, and I thought yeah. about it, but he got, but what did he say? He got a housing deal done. Right. So he got housing right. for people. He figured out how right. to work with someone who had right. opinions that were clearly right. antithetical to him, right? <laughs> right. But he, you know what I mean? So I think there is something about, you know, how do we that's still right. hold space sometimes for people that we might initially feel are abhorrent that we would nothing to talk about. Right. There's still right. always something that you can get accomplished. Absolutely. That Absolutely. is a skill set that you have to utilize. And a lot of times when I'm talking to my young, passionate med students or residents, they don't feel a need to embrace that. But I, 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 I try to, as patiently as I can, help them understand that the you know the world that we live in. You're never it, most times it's not going to be an ideal situation where you totally, the views of the person that you're advocating for or against totally align with you and you are able to make a deal and you guys just sign the pages together. It's usually there's some difference of opinion and sometimes they're deep rooted and strong, but I think that's a sense of strength to be able to get past what you really feel about an individual to look for the greater good of the community. And I think it also speaks to the heart of advocacy. It's not just about you. It's about what's best for the community that you're trying that's to serve. That's right. You know, exactly. beautifully. It's not about you. Right. It's about <laughs> what you're trying to get done for others. Right? Exactly. All right. So uh, the next question is what resources are available? So we've got the students, those residents, we've got them excited about this. We've got the faculty that are listening as well. What resources are available for them um, if they want to get involved in advocacy right now? The great news is there's lots of great resources that are available through STFM um, mm. and also through the AAFP as well. So. STFM has an advocacy toolkit that you can access online. They also have online courses, one called Leading Change course, uh, which is also can you can start getting working on those advocacy skills right now. There's an advocacy network that is hosted through STFM and the AAFP has advocacy uh, resources that are available online as well. So Lots of good places to to go and to get some additional information so you can get started. Yeah, and I I, I will I will attest to those uh, for for my advocacy training that I use for at, at our sites. We use the STFM uh, videos and modules. They have to go through those STFM modules. They they're asynchronous, so everybody doesn't have to go through them at the same time. But we do say that that's what you have to get through. You have to get through that, and that helps them 
as they're getting ready for our lobby days and, you know, our days at, at the, uh, if whether we're going to Albany or whether we're going to DC. And then of course the, the various um, AFP times, you know, the chapters, the state chapters have it. So whatever state you're, you're in, if you're in a, cha- a state chapter of the AAFP, they will have their own days where they go to their, the main house the, the, to meet with their legislators. And so if you've learned, gotten that information, then you follow the state and go do some advocacy work there. And then again, your own departments here, you know, find out what's going on in your, at wherever you're training. They may have some things and they, they don't necessarily advertise everything. But if you ask, you say to them, hey, I'm interested in doing this. Is there anywhere that I should go? Is there something happening in the community that I can work on? You know, because you help, it helps to, um, you know, to practice your skills. Uh, one of the things I'll say is that we have for our advocacy course, we, we teach for the students. Uh, we have students and we have residents. Residents do attract the students to our workshop every year. And we teach them writing skills because you don't have to, you, you can write an op-ed, right? We teach them how to write the op-ed, um, how to do an interview because people are always interviewing students <laughs> for, for some reason or another to ask them their opinion on a matter and um, how do they handle it an interview. Then we talk to teach them about how do they go and, and, and talk to legislators and you don't necessarily have to go to the um, to their main office. You can find their local office in your community because usually all legislators have their like for here in Albany, for here in New York, they have their state office in Albany, but then mm-hmm. they have their main office in their communities because that's where their constituents live. And mm-hmm. so you can make an appointment if you can't go to the main place, you can go to where they are or write a letter to them or email them. Everybody's doing email. All of the legislators have email accounts and they will respond. And all of the um, all of them have Twitter accounts, so you can post something there. I will just give a little caution: if you're going to reach out to them for certain issues, make sure you explain that you are doing it on behalf of yourself and not on behalf of your organization, unless your organization has sent you there on behalf of them. So that's a so you have to make sure because you may be um, asking for things. Uh, say you you don't want a building demolished because you know oh you feel it's really important to the community, but your organization that you work for. They have plans of taking over that property to build, uh, you know, whatever. So you have to make sure you know what you can and cannot do when it comes to those things. But they can start tomorrow. They can start today. Go online to the CFM or AFP or anywhere that they have speakouts to say that this is the issue of the day. And it's pre-populated letters and you just click your button and and it sends the letter to your congressman and, and you're good to go. So Lots and lots and lots of resources. Uh, um, I don't know, Dr. Hodge. I've, I've got nothing. You said it very well. Uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm ready to jump into this. Probably the, the 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 last but not the least point that we want from Dr. Robinson is: Can you give our listeners three take home points that they can chew on from today? Yes. And I I really enjoyed the conversation uh, with you all. And I think that there's a couple of key things that I would recommend. Number one, do something. Mm -hmm. There is so much I think you've heard in terms of possibilities and what you can do. You don't have to do it all. Just do something. Number two is pick something that you're passionate about. Pick something that fuels you, that you care about that is going to recharge you by being involved with it. So picking something that you're passionate about is important. And then number three is don't go it alone. So find others. um, How do you build coalitions? How do you broaden that base of support? Advocacy is a lot more fun when you're doing it with others. And it's a lot more effective (laughs) when you're bringing a variety of voices that can help to stand up and, and stand behind and support you. So those are my three pieces of advice. 
That's very, awesome. very good. Thank you for thank those you. pearls. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we appreciate it. We know our listeners will have gotten a lot of information out of that. Do, do not be surprised if people reach out to you. <laughs> Just happy to I might reach out. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I neglected to mention that both of us are on the advocacy committee for the Association of Departments of Family Medicine. So, um, yeah, so they'll be reaching out to you for this one. When this one. Literally. <laughs> Fantastic. And, you know, this is a journey, right? So, right, exactly. Um, you know, happy that people reach out across that journey. It's the traveling companions that make the journey, you know, all that much better. So, look forward oh, to those conversations. I am snapping for that. <laughs> and we may have to take that as our new but, uh, tagline. Because, yeah, uh, I heard that. I love that because the podcast is Journey to, to Academic Medicine. So I love that. That is yeah. awesome. So thanks right. again. Well, thanks again. You're so welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to the URM Journey to Academic Medicine podcast, brought to you by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most other podcast providers, as well as on our website at stfm.org slash urmjam. Follow us on Twitter at stfm underscore fm. 